This is a message for those that work in manufacturing across the UK and Ireland. Do your engineering maintenance stores keep you awake at night? Are your engineers spending excessive time sourcing and finding the spare parts they need? Eric's on-site teams take responsibility for your indirect supply chain, including both your MRO procurement and inventory control. And, as the name suggests, we do this while being based on your site. For more information, visit www.erics.co.uk forward slash em. This episode of Engineering Matters is supported by The Optimistic Outlook. The Optimistic Outlook is a great listen for fans of Engineering Matters. It is a podcast for anyone intrigued by innovation across sectors, whether you're in healthcare, infrastructure, energy or beyond. The show is hosted by Barbara Hampton, CEO of Siemens USA, and offers invaluable insights relevant and impactful for all industries. I think what you're really going to like is that Barbara Hampton is not just a CEO, she's a thought leader in the corporate world. In the podcast, you often learn from her journey to the top of Siemens USA, getting invaluable lessons on leadership, decision-making, and navigating the complexities of the modern workplace. Barbara brings a wealth of knowledge, not just about manufacturing, but about its ripple effects across all sectors. Her perspective illuminates how manufacturing innovations are setting the pace for changes in healthcare, infrastructure development, energy sustainability, and more. Regardless of your industry, the optimistic outlook is a source of motivation and forward-thinking ideas. Barbara's expertise in connecting dots between manufacturing and other sectors reveals actionable strategies for innovation and leadership in any field. We invite you to explore the optimistic outlook and join a broad audience that values transformative ideas, including us. Search for the optimistic outlook wherever you get your podcasts. How is the electrification of quarrying and mining enabling a new way of powering heavy tools? Conventionally, the rock breaking has been done with hydraulic hammers. And that's hydraulic hammers has been the prevailing technology for the last several decades. Can detectors be built for some of the world's most radioactive environments? Basically with Fukushima, the radiation inside the area where the neutron detectors is gone, it's extremely high like people have sent robots in and they've never been able to retrieve them because the um, technology has been fried by the radiation. Can electric vehicles be made with the same speed and consistency as a hamburger? Okay so a lot of the media have compared Helix as a business to McDonald's franchise which is a, a great example and with a McDonald's franchise you don't need to know how to be a chef to make burgers but essentially you get all of the equipment you get all of the supply chain you get all of the processes in a bundle of a, of a license that has a return on investment over a number of years so helix is very similar to that uh, helix provides all of the equipment it provides all of the training all of the supply chain and we can put a factory anywhere in the world and commission it within up to 180 days how can a new approach to firing galvanising furnaces help cut energy emissions by almost a quarter? When the gas 
crisis happened last year, we started retrofitting it as well. So altogether, we've got about 40 systems working on working on this, and they're all saving between seven and a half and 24% energy, um, which is, you know, it's a significant. For years, we've been chasing around for 1%, 2%, um, and this has real been a real game changer. Welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Johnny Dowling. And I'm Rian Owen. This is one of 12 episodes originally aired between the 5th and 17th of February 2024, presenting the shortlisted entries for the Engineering Matters Awards. This is the second of three episodes on the entries shortlisted in the Innovation Champion category. This category aims to celebrate the work of engineers as they bring to light new technologies or methods of working. Innovation can take the form of a new product, like a piece of equipment or a software tool, a process or way of working, or a project that combines elements in a new way. Hasco Thermic were nominated for their smart firing technology. Helix are nominated for their vehicle factory in a box innovation. Innovative Physics are nominated for their neutron detector and Lekatech are nominated for their electric rock breaker. The construction sector is a major contributor to climate change. Many of this impact comes from building materials, but part of it comes from the equipment used on site. Equipment manufacturers have been tackling these challenges by replacing diesel with cleaner fuels and with electric power but the overall design of equipment has remained the same. Rather than a diesel engine turning a hydraulic pump, an electric motor does. Lekatech manufactures hammers used for rock breaking and demolition, and they are taking an entirely new approach to power. Antti Antilla, CEO, explains. Conventionally, the rock breaking has been done with hydraulic hammers, and that's hydraulic hammers has been the prevailing technology for the last several decades. Equipment like this is mounted on a carrier, an excavator or a mining machine. The manufacturers of these machines are now turning to electric power, and this has created an opportunity for Lekatech. And now that the carrier machines, which means uh, the, the excavators and the mining machines and, and others, they are turning electric in the future, so, so they, I mean, they, they want to get rid of combustion engines. That means that uh, electricity becomes available and an electric hammer becomes possible because there's electricity available. So that's why electric hammer is relevant, but at the same time as, as the electric hammer becomes relevant, then also all the advantages of electric hammers become available, which is performance, environmental aspects, and of course, it's, it's a fully software-based control system. The hammer can be powered from the carrier's battery or from the grid. In mining, grid power is more commonly available than it is on the construction site. At every stage in its use, a diesel-powered hydraulic hammer loses energy. The hammer uh, is very energy-intensive. So, so they require a lot of energy uh, for the use of the hammers. 
and that means nowadays it's 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 the, this energy is generated by generated by combustion engines and then via hydraulics so uh both the uh, combustion engine the efficiency of it is is very low then the hydraulic system the the efficiency is again very low uh, and then the hammer itself loses also a lot of energy so from the energy content of the fuel less than 10% arrives at the rock uh, but in the case of uh, electric hammer from the electric energy uh, put into the machine more than 75% actually arrives at the rock so there's a big big difference in the efficiency how effectively is the energy then consumed for the actual purpose which is breaking the rock or, or, or de demolishing By powering the hammer without a combustion engine or a hydraulic system, Lekatech offers power in the same size hammer. So Lekatech electric solution is about double in power output compared to a hydraulic hammer. So there's actually much more. I mean, if we are comparing similar size uh, hammers, hydraulic hammer 500 kilo, hydro, uh, electric hammer 500 kilo, the power is about double in, in, in our hammer. By cutting power use, Lekatech will help construction firms meet their net zero goals. Removing the hydraulic system has other environmental advantages as well. The oil is not there, uh, the, the, the pressurized hydraulic oil, uh, which creates, uh, first of all, a risk of spills. And secondly, there's also the possibility, or not only the possibility, but, but uh, it, it automatically creates a lot of waste oil. There's a clear economic and environmental benefit to the electric hammers. They cut fuel use and eliminate wasted or leaked hydraulic oil. The development of the new tools has required looking at their design in new ways. I, I would say the fundamental uh, innovations uh, in the technologies that we've made is in the, in the mechanical durability. How do we make the structure in such a way that it that that it can actually take the impacts to the rock. The second thing is uh, how to control uh, this machine, and that's the second really a challenging thing to to overcome, because it's not very typical that you run a motor towards a rock, and then then you have this sudden impact. Uh, and this is the basic functionality where we start. Uh, but then, if you look into the future there's like a, a lot of development to be done over the next years in the electric hammers because of this precision that we've been talking about. But electric power also allows for efficient electronic control. And one day that could even see them being controlled by autonomous systems. We can develop different sort of interactions with the motor. So, so how would it, how will it react to the environment how will it re react to to the actual work uh, and and we can we can have like blows after each other separate and different depending on what happens with the with the actual material that's been broken and that of course leads us to think that okay over the long term there's a there's a big development curve ahead of us and that in the end there's a possibility that it that it that it leads to totally new ways of 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 doing the hammering, using the hammering, connecting it to the uh, surrounding environment, including autonomy.
basically with Fukushima, the radiation inside the area where the neutron detectors is gone is extremely high. Like people have sent robots in and they've never been able to retrieve them because the um, technology has been fried by the radiation. That was Victoria Anderson Matthew, Director of Business Development and Administration at Innovative Physics. The Isle of Wight company provides expertise for the nuclear industry around the world. We have four pillars of work. So we have projects, products, consultancy and software. And we work within each of those pillars. And this technology um, is in the consultancy where we develop the product for the end user. And then we can then sell it as a product in the future as well. The environment at Fukushima is still highly dangerous. But work must go on to dismantle the plant. As the dismantling work takes place, it's vital to monitor neutron levels. The technology is fission, neutron, fission energy. Um, if um, it gets to a criticality state, another accident could happen. So with these kind of technologies, you're monitoring to ensure that it doesn't get to a criticality level. So we've developed these detectors that reject that kind of gamma radiation and a radiation hardened so that they can withstand the tolerance of it and still do their work. So detecting neutrons to ensure that no accidents happen as the um, as they bring out the, the the debris from Fukushima. So our technology is going to be put on a very large arm, like a robotic arm that I think is about 30, 40 meters and it will be going inside the unit so our little part of it will be the detector that's going inside on that arm. The detector will be able to withstand the gamma radiation that has had such an impact on the robots working in the plant. It will be able to monitor neutron levels and help ensure that no further accidents occur. The work at Fukushima is ongoing but the same technology could be used in working nuclear plants to help avoid future disasters and it could be used more routinely in hospitals. And we're also looking at putting it into medical, the medical markets, such as neutron beam therapy for patients and monitoring the influx of neutrons that are being sent through a person and ensure there's no leaking from the machines and things like that as well. In cities around the world, lightweight vehicles are a key part of the local economy. They pick up and deliver parcels and goods. They carry passengers to schools and to workplaces. But in the crowded cities of the global south, locally affordable e-vehicles are in short supply. Helix's approach is to develop a model for local manufacture of these vehicles based on proven expertise. Helix's CEO, Steve Pegg, explains. Okay, so a lot of the media have compared Helix as a business to McDonald's franchise, which is a, a great example. And with a McDonald's franchise, you don't need to know how to be a chef to make burgers, but essentially you get all of the equipment, you get all of the supply chain, you get all of the processes in a bundle of a, of a license that has a return on investment over a number of years. So Helix is very similar to that. 
Uh, Helix provides all of the equipment, it provides all of the training, all of the supply chain, and we can put a factory anywhere in the world and commission it within up to 180 days. The Helix system provides licenses with all the information, supply chain marketplace, instructions and training needed to build Helix vehicles efficiently anywhere in the world. I've personally and professionally been developing, um, the, let's say, the right recipe, the right recipe to get to market. And a lot of things have happened since 2016. You know, we've seen uh, electric vehicle uh, startups come and go. And they always fall down on scalability. So we address that from the start. For, for Helix, it's all about sustainable uh, scalability of the business. Helix has designed its processes so that factories can be opened anywhere in the world, meeting local demand. And its first vehicles have been designed for global markets. The vehicles that we've decided to begin with uh, at Helix, they're, they're tiny little uh, electric vehicles and they are absolutely perfect for dense cities. And during my research over these few years, uh, we have uh, the regions such as Asia Pacific where they are real dense cities. There, there is a demand for electrification, there is a demand for net zero. The business model for these vehicles has also been shaped to the needs of local commercial drivers, many of whom can't afford the upfront costs of a new electric vehicle. Instead, Helix aims to offer vehicles on a subscription basis. This new approach to manufacturing and to how these vehicles are sold promises to transform the lightweight vehicle market. The benefits of that are that, that it really does lower the, the logistics footprints and really puts the, the heart of the supply where the, the vehicles are going to be used. Asco Thermic is a manufacturer of equipment for galvanising plants. The company is part of BE Wedge Holdings, which also owns a number of the plants. This has given them the feedback they need to develop a new energy-efficient way of firing furnaces. Angela Curtis, CEO, explains how the project got started. Being part of Wedge means that we can sort of trial new equipment or new technologies on, on wedge equipment and sort of get honest feedback about its performance. So that's really where where it's, uh, where, where we've been able to sort of get this off the ground. I mean, it all started because we wanted to sort of be able to remotely help our customers. So we set up a sort of remote platform where we could send information and then we could um, diagnose that information and um, look for, for sort of any ways to improve. And what we found was that, you know, we, we could sort of, we could get information about the furnaces specifically and how they were running. And actually there was something we could do to optimize the way they were running. They've been developing their new approach to firing for the past eight years. So that's when we came up with um, the idea of smart firing. So yeah. we, um, and, and of course, you know, sensors have come a long way in, in even the last 12 months, you know, they, the, the sensor technology is becoming more and more accessible to industry. So we were able to 
uh, or we've been able to sort of get more information, more feedback from the furnace, and we've been able to build an algorithm to sort of control the burners. This approach is in marked contrast to traditional methods. Traditionally, in galvanising, galvanising furnaces have had multiple burners and they've all operated together. And in order to be as flexible as we wanted to be, all the burners operate uh, individually. So we've got a lot more flexibility, a lot more information, and, and this is how we've been able to develop. As Hasco develops its smart burning technology, it has used its remote platform to support customers. We're actually um, exporting all that data to uh, the cloud. And then we've built an interface with the cloud, so a web page where you can go and, and view that information. So it means that we can't control the furnaces remotely, which is not a great idea. We can just sort of view what's going on. The customer can view it at the same time. So you can have multiple people logging in at the same time and they can view it. And, you know, it helps with troubleshooting and information and all that sort of thing. It's producing reports. It's sending alarms, that sort of thing. And we, we're the only furnace manufacturer in galvanising doing that. And now they're able to move from offering this smart firing technology on new furnaces to retrofitting it onto existing equipment. It's this retrofit programme that has been recognised in the Engineering Matters Awards shortlist. Yeah, I mean, we're really sort of seen now as the, as the sort of company who are you know, spearheading the subject of decarbonisation in our industry. And we've we've got this smart firing now. We started fitting it in 2016. We started fitting it to all our furnaces that we were making anyway. And then when the gas um, crisis happened last year, we started retrofitting it as well. So altogether, we've got about 40 systems working on working on this, and they're all saving between seven and a half and 24% energy, um, which is, you know, it's a significant. We've, for years, we've been chasing around for 1%, 2%, um, and this has real, been a real game changer. The entrants we looked at today are all using their innovative ideas to transform the world of engineering. In the next episode, we'll look at our last group of shortlisted entries in this category. Engineering Matters is a production of Rebe Media. This episode was written and produced by Kiri Yaranathan and hosted by me, Johnny Dowling, and by Rian Owen. Editing by Will North, series supervision by John Young, sound engineering by Ross McPherson, And our own man who judges all we do is Rory Harris. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast apps on our website, engineeringmatters.reby.media and on LinkedIn.